Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, good morning, everybody. I do apologise for my croaky voice, um, but you know, um, I swallowed a tadpole and I woke up with a frog in my throat. (laughs) Pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, the dad jokes. People were asking me. I think people come just for the dad jokes, so... Where do you learn to make ice cream? Sunday school. My boss told me to have a good day, so I went home. (laughs) Did you hear about the explosion at the French cheese factory? All that was left was the debris. Was it? Was debris, sorry. (laughs) Bad, bad, bad. So that's out of the way now. It's so good to be in church with you this morning. I've been to this meeting about 10 times this week. I've been quite unwell and so haven't slept well during the night and just began to dream about today. I feel today can be one of those days, not because I'm speaking, but because God's here, that some things are gonna shift. I've never been more attacked for, well, a long time ago I did, but in my mind in putting this message together. Felt so attacked because I know the truth of what can happen today. And so before I go any further, there's a scripture in Psalm 34 verse 3. It's not going to be on screen because it's not part of the message. But it says, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His Name forever. When we magnify something, the object doesn't change. It's our view of it. If I was to give you a you know, what do you call it, magnifying glass. And you looked at an object through that glass, the object would be so much bigger. But it's actually not bigger, it's your view of the object. We need to lift our view of God this morning. You can leave this place today, not just having been to church. There are moments in church life where some shifts happen. And I've never found myself more in tears about this message because... I've had to live it, I've gone through it. I have with me my best friend for 20 years outside, my family, my wife, the Word of God. This Bible has been rebound because it fell apart. Because every page there's scribble in it. But you know, it's kept me, it's comforted me, it's directed me, it's given me clarity. It's created a world for me that I would never want anything else. And we need to magnify our view of what God can do through His Word today. God wants to bring transformation to many people. And as I was praying, I felt God wants to deal with those of you that have been feeling flat for too long. For those of you that are unmotivated right now, you're heavy in spirit, you're unusually tired, You feel trapped. You feel confused. And you feel sad. You know, God can change that today. In a moment, I'm gonna go to the book of Nehemiah. We're gonna talk about a great man that went through some severe attacks. But the end of the story is unbelievable. But as I walked in here this morning, Crystal came up to me 
I said, I just feel something about the meeting. Even when I was talking to people this morning, I was fighting back the tears. Because one moment with God can change everything. Crystal, why don't you come and share what you shared with me? This morning when I walked in, she was reluctant, but I pushed her. Um, Morning, church. We were um, praying this morning in our pre-service prayer meeting, which um, is at quarter past nine every Sunday morning. And so would love to invite you along to that if that's not something you've been a part of. But it's where we pray for every single person that walks through this building. We pray over every volunteer and we pray over the message. Um, And I just really felt like God speak to me um, just about this morning. And there's a sense of um, captive where we're, we're trapped and we don't know how to get out. And I think we're at the point where some of us are just so exhausted by how we're feeling and we're fighting a battle that's not our own. And Pastor Dan was praying in prayer meeting and said, hey, sometimes we're in, 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 in a battle that's of powers and principalities that are in the supernatural and that are so out, outside of us and we can't actually get a, a sense of victory in some of these places without the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I really felt like God wants to bring freedom for people this morning. He wants to bring liberty into situations where we've been so trapped by, that we've been captive by, that we felt exhausted by and overwhelmed by. And God just wants to bring freedom and liberty this morning. So church, I just want to encourage you with that thought. Whatever that leads to in your moment, wherever Pastor Danny takes a message, please just be encouraged by that, that God wants to bring freedom and liberty in those moments for you. Awesome. Only, yeah, come on. Thank God. I'd only been a minute after the prayer meeting and Kylie came up to me. Where are you, Kylie? And she had a word. And I think, I think you better share it. I'm making this sermon shorter and shorter. <laughs> All we need is for God to show up. Yeah, I had a vision of a freshly baked loaf. Um, I brought some uh, second day bakery treats in for the worship team this morning. And I just, I saw this loaf of bread and, you know, God wants to bring something new and fresh this morning for the hungry. And, you know, it's not second day bakery goods. It's new for today. It was baked today for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kylie. I normally wouldn't say this at the beginning of a meeting and I'm not manipulating anybody here this morning, but I really feel I'm going to share short so people can respond this morning and come and kneel at this altar and let the weight come off. If I have a title for this message, it's Arise and Build. We've been flatlining, we've been in postponement for too long and COVID's affected pastors, churches, leaders, people from all walks of life. But enough is enough and we need to rise up and we need to take leadership of what God is wanting us to do with our lives, our families, our world, our church. I found myself over the last few weeks in counselling saying to people, you know, to believe in Jesus is actually to behave Jesus. Sometimes we believe Jesus because we believe He exists but the devil believes He exists. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ means to adhere and to stick to, which means it's a lifestyle of experiencing the joy of not just believing on what Jesus can do, but behaving what Jesus can do through our faith journey and walking with Him. 
When I started Edge Church in 1994, I did not know what to do as far as vision and direction. People were coming in from everywhere and I really didn't know what I was doing. I probably still don't. But I remember going back to my code of conduct, the Word of God. And for 20 years, God gave me pattern after pattern on how to build. He gave me a pattern out of the book of Nehemiah, which is gonna take me a few weeks to cover, so I'm only starting today, on how to build the broken ruins of our lives and the broken ruins of our city, the broken ruins of our society. I built the church chapter by chapter by chapter in 1994. God opened up this book of Nehemiah to me and He began to show me how I could build step upon step, no matter what opposition would come my way. Because opposition is guaranteed, it will be there. But it's not just for the direction of a church and vision, it was a direction for my own life. Very quick background. The book of Nehemiah is a book about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. They'd been badly broken down. Nehemiah was working for a Persian king as a cupbearer at the time. Judah in Palestine had been partly repopulated by Jews released from exile in Babylonia. And Nehemiah returns back to Jerusalem to rebuild the broken walls of Jerusalem. There's no doubt in my mind this morning, our society needs rebuilding. There's no doubt in my mind when I spoke at a youth camp this week to 13 and 14 year olds in the Adelaide Hills at Mylor Baptist Camp to talk to kids that were suicidal. How did we get there? To talk to kids that were self-harming beautiful kids with this absolute fear of not matching up. A society that is brainwashing our kids with lies about their identity and everything else. I'm talking to the converted this morning. Our society needs to be rebuilt in our personal lives, in our families and in our community after Nehemiah got to share with some of the leaders around him on the passion to go and rebuild. In chapter two, verse 18 in the King James, it says, and then this is Nehemiah speaking, talking to the leaders. Then I told him of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the King's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Arise and build. Let us arise and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. If I have a word this morning, friends, our hands have been a bit weak. We need to arise. We've got to say enough is enough to the lies of our world, the torment in my mind, the attack on my kids. Some of you are gonna come and kneel here for your kids this morning. 
And I pray that you'll have a faith inside of you that's more than just I hope so. But a faith that says we're not putting up with this anymore. Let me give you a quick overview of the first six chapters of the book of Nehemiah that absolutely blew me away when God showed me this. Chapter one, we see a man with pure motives. If there's ever a time we need humility and pure motives, it's now. Nehemiah did not wanna rebuild a city to make a name for himself. You know what he did? When he heard about the broken ruins, he started bawling his eyes out. How can our city be this ruined? He starts to fast and he prays a twofold prayer. We need to start praying. He prayed the prayer of identification. And instead of saying this rotten community, he said, oh Father, we've sinned. He took the sins of his community and put it on his own shoulders. He goes, Father, we have sinned. My own family has sinned. But you promised that if we come back to you, you will restore our broken ruins. The prayer of faith and the prayer of identification. He weeps, he fasts. And then chapter two, he starts his preparation. He asks permission from his boss to go back to repair the walls of Jerusalem. He was a cupbearer for a king. You never come before a king unless you have a smile on your face. Because if you went into a king's presence with no smile on your face, you could be killed. As the cupbearer for for his king, he goes in and his heart's broken. And the king goes, are you sick? What's going on? What's happening with you? He said, how can I smile when my city lies in ruin? As parents here this morning, you stopped smiling a long time ago because of the brokenness around your world. But the beautiful thing in chapter two is that a king says to Nehemiah, you go for it, man. How can I help you? You go back and rebuild your broken city. And in chapter two, he starts to prepare. In chapter three, there is progress. Verse one, then Eliashib, the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. Now we might get to share with you another time, but there were 10 broken gates that needed to be repaired and every one of them means something in our lives. that have to be rebuilt in our lives. Remember taking our church through week after week on the rebuilding of the valley gate and the dung gate and all the stuff that happens that's gonna be cleared out of our lives. And so there's a chapter one of pure motives a chapter two of preparation, a chapter three of progress, pretty good up to now. And then we get to chapter four, total persecution. How do you go from chapter one to chapter two, to chapter three, and then everything hits the fan? Chapter four, the attack comes from three guys I call the three stooges. Samballat, Tobiah and Geshem. They worked for the Persian king, but they decided they were gonna tear down the dream. They were gonna mock the dream. Let me tell you, all our lives, we have an intimidator that tries to mock our dream. Your kids will end up in a mess no matter how many times you pray. 
Your kids will never come back. They're too far away. And there's the accuser of the saints that tries to intimidate us like the representation. I wish I had time to tell you what these three people's names represent, but another time. And there's a personal attack. Sam Ballot was very angry when he learnt that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a day if they offer enough sacrifices? Do you think your kids will come back just because you pray? Look at those charred stones. They are pulling out of the rubbish and using again. Tobiah the Ammonite who was standing beside him remarked that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. Nehemiah starts to pray. I think that's a good idea. If it was me, I'd probably wanted to kill somebody. Friends, I'm gonna say it later as a point that you can write down, but you don't have to do the wrong thing for bad things to happen. Nehemiah did exactly what God put in his heart. In chapter two, verse 11, he went out in the middle of the night and cried over the city because God had put something in his heart. I think that's the definition of vision. What God puts in your heart, not what you stick on your wall. And Nehemiah weeps over this broken city. He gets permission from his boss. He prepares, he assembles workers and they begin to have progress. And then bang, chapter four. Do you know every one of us has chapter fours? Chapter five, they got so discouraged and so tired because of the attack, God's people started attacking each other. Do you know how many churches are really weak right now because of the COVID conversation and people have attacked each other? Because if the devil knows we're against each other, we're never gonna build what he wants us to build to restore our communities. And in chapter five, everything is postponed. Everything flatlines and people started complaining. In fact, I'll just look it up here. In chapter five, they started to say things like, um, we've had enough, we're tired, we don't have enough food to pay the bills. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews, the blame game. We need more money just so we can buy the food we need to survive. And instead of continuing to build, they turned on each other and everything was postponed. Now, it's interesting that there's a chapter six after chapter five. And at the beginning of chapter six, the carry-on is still happening. The three stooges are still going for it. They're writing letters to Nehemiah. Who do you think you are? You just wanna take control of everything and then rebel. Don't forget, we all judge people by what's inside of us. And so this massive attack happens. But in the same chapter, chapter six, everything turns around. See if I can find it here and just read it. Chapter 6, verse 1, Samballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall. There was no gaps remained 
though we had yet to set up the doors in the gates. So Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. I think when the enemy wants to have a chat with you, you've got to say, oh no. Anyway, but I realised they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work. I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the message and each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, Sambalat's servant came with an open letter in his hand. And in the letter, it just takes this massive accusation. And this is how Nehemiah responds. I always say this in all conflict situation. When someone accuses you of something, ask yourself, is it true? If it's not true, we can respond and say, it's not true. And what Nehemiah does is he sends a letter back and he goes, nothing of what you've said about me is true. And now I'm gonna leave it there and I'm gonna get on with the job and I'm gonna keep building the wall. Chapter seven, everybody's repositioned. In chapter eight, there's a breakout of the DNA of a church, which we'll speak on on another day. But I'm carrying this deep sense in my heart that today God wants to say in this house, chapter four and chapter five are over. The attacks that have come against your family, the attacks that have come against your mind. There is a chapter six. And in 52 days, the walls of Jerusalem were completely rebuilt. I leave you with these four quick thoughts. And then we're gonna pray today. Because I really sense God in a short moment can take something off your shoulders, can lift that pressure. And so you know what? No more chapter five. I've had enough of just flatlining, holding pattern. I hate it when I fly and we can't land because the airport's full and we gotta, we just gotta hold ground. Hold the, the flying pattern, just go round and round. Not that you can see where it's going, but just you know you're not landing. And it just annoys you because you think, when are we gonna land? This morning we're gonna land. We're not gonna hold pattern. And we're gonna let God be magnified in our situation. You see, number one, just a couple of quick thoughts here. Opposition can come when you do what's right. Please don't think that opposition comes because you've done something wrong. The attack on marriages right now where, yes, it takes two, but I'm also seeing in some situations that there are genuine people in a marriage that wanna fight for it and the other half doesn't. And the person wanting to fight goes, what have I done wrong? What's wrong with me? And Nehemiah did everything right. And opposition came quite severely because your obedience has an incredible purpose. The level, the level, it's just coming to me now, The level of attack is measured to the level of your impact. Number two, opposition can be persistent. Chapter four and chapter five, I'd love you to read the book of Nehemiah bit by bit at home. There's your homework. 
Opposition can be so persistent, it drive you nuts, go, God, when? When is this gonna change? Opposition can make us question ourselves. When we lost our son, went through cancer, take another one through brokenness, you start to question yourself. Where did I go wrong? But I'm grateful. I'm grateful because it doesn't stop at chapter four. It doesn't stop at chapter five. You see, the last point is opposition doesn't have to be the end of the story. I genuinely, genuinely thought when Chris died, I could never preach again. I felt I would never have revelation after that level of pain. And this week, working with a company, a business here in Adelaide, a carpet company, I had to interview the entire staff of that company and I'm doing some work with them. And they said, will you please share your story before you start doing interviews with staff? We gathered about 20 staff, not Christians, most of them. And I shared my story and people just started to cry. So this week I've got appointments outside of the work I'm doing for the company with people that wanna talk about their brokenness. If you can survive what you survived, maybe there's hope for me. And people have been through worse than us. I can't imagine worse, but I'm sure there is. Again, I've said it a few times here and it was only last week, I was talking to Greg Downton and Jean and one of his friends has passed away. And the story they told me and Pastor Tony last week of the impact that these guys have had through their pain, through their broken condition. Because the voice of opposition doesn't have to win in the life of a Christ follower. We're gonna sing that Jesus song. (laughs) What's it called? Speak Jesus, I speak Jesus, the Jesus song. I'm not gonna coerce you, but I know some stories, but I don't know all of you. But God put this word on my heart because He wants you to put a full stop to chapter four and five. He wants to rebuild the walls of your life. He wants to rebuild. It's possible, please magnify your perspective of God. He can't be bigger than He is. The earth is His footstool. He's no, you can't make Him bigger, but you can make your expectation bigger. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.